Welcome to this feature episode of the 1 to 11 then. Usually Blake and I would go away with a topic in mind and we'd put together a list ranking a different subject from 1 to 11. But today's episode is a little bit different and we're going to be doing these on a semi-regular basis throughout the season. And this is an episode where we have a special guest. We have Sam Barrell, who works within the world of football. Baz, how are you doing? I'm good. Very good. How are we? Yeah, not bad at all. So first of all, do you want to just start by telling us what it is that you actually do? Yeah, so I'm a uh, football analyst. So I've been in the industry now for about five years, uh, about three and a half, four years. Those were voluntary going through my university degrees, uh, my undergrad and my postgrad. And now working within my second full time role in football. I don't know about you, Blake. But it seems like actually working within football seems like a bit of a myth. Like it's not a thing that people actually do. I don't think I ever grew up and realistically thought actually I could get a job in football, you know. Yeah, I totally agree. I think Guernsey kind of puts a big dampener on that because you don't know anybody that really works in football. So I think it's nice that there's quite a lot of people that have actually got off the island and kind of doing different things in all different worlds, but especially sport. So yeah, it's good to be able to have a chat with someone that's uh, got themselves into that footballing industry. Yeah, because Guernsey's a tiny little island, 63,000 people, and all three of us grew up there. Now Baz and I live in the UK. Did you feel like when you went to university, when you started studying, that it would be difficult to get a career in football because you'd come from such a small place and in the grand scheme of things, not major football experience, obviously growing up watching it and playing it and whatnot? Yeah, I think that that's always the challenge that you kind of have to realise if you want to work in football is the it's so competitive and being able to not only be successful but to get enrolled, a role in football, you have to put yourself out there completely, which is the same when I was doing my undergrad degree. I went into that not even knowing what job I wanted to do in football. So I took on a undergraduate degree which covered all bases and then I kind of almost fell into the role or fell into the job that that was there uh, straight away. But it's one of those ones where you also have to put yourself out there. I remember the amount of hours I've had to sacrifice just to do voluntary work, even if that's going in just to film some games from help out an academy. Yeah, and still putting those hours in because Baz was telling me that he's just woken up from a nap and it's because he got in, was it last night you got in at 3am? And that was not because you'd been on some heavy night out, purely because you travel the length and breadth of the country to get to games. Yeah, exactly. And then also with that, because usually the day after a game is usually a day off, but if you're an analyst, it's not a day off because you're doing all the post-match processes. I live about, probably about 15 minutes from Eastley. Now, the club that you work for, you work for Scunthorpe, and that's, you know, fairly northern. And Eastley, not fairly northern, it's right down on the south coast. You'll be playing against them in September, travelling away. 400 mile round trip how do you go about dealing with that because obviously it's not your standard nine to five monday to friday kind of hours no it's it's not and i think if you work in football there's a lot of sacrifices you have you know it's not a normal like nine to five where you go in in the morning you go back in the evening you go back home to see your families it's completely different so usually with with that you'd head off um and travel on the on the friday during the day stay over and then after the game's finished on Saturday it's straight then back up to uh, back up to Scunthorpe but like you say there's that game against Eastleigh there's also games against um, Yeovil, Torquay and a lot of the teams in the National League are also based down south or, or close to London so a lot of our 
our away trips are almost one way three hours three hours plus yeah and see the most beautiful parts of the country like Torquay and Eastleigh and Maidenhead <laughs> lucky man that's why why else would you get into football I can imagine there's gonna be a lots of sites on the way during your like coach journeys do you have like specific seating areas or do you like do you get to like get involved with all the players and stuff like the team bus banter sort of deal or yeah so usually if you're on a on a team coach it's usually players go towards the back staff are always usually towards the front so you kind of do get that that crossover as well obviously the staff go from the go into chat to the players the players come forward to chat as well and also having the facilities on the coach where players also have access to to meals as well so it's also one of them so the banter literally stays there the whole time when you're traveling the whole time and the conversations are always there I think there's kind of a perception that when you're part of a professional football side, that there's probably a lot of good crack that goes on. Is that something that you see all the time, and you, you as staff, getting ripped as well? Yeah, yeah. I think you have to for it to be for it to be enjoyable. I think it has to go both ways sometimes. Thick skin. Yeah, you have your times where it's serious and you need to be serious, but there is those times where you know you get to have a laugh with the staff or you have a laugh with the players i know that you you see that anyway in the public domain when you get the initiation videos just coming through on uh, on twitter and stuff like that so that's always a good one for the players to have a good crack at the staff i mean speaking of initiations blake i think you were telling me that baz has just done it hasn't he yeah i had heard um do you want to give us a bit more of a rundown exactly what went down in that situation mate because <laughs> actually just before you carry on i didn't realize that staff did initiations i thought it was just a players thing no usually um all new staff do initiations including managers i've never seen a manager do one in my life so <laughs> i don't think so <laughs> you gotta be ballsy to be the one that calls out the, the new manager for for initiation i was gonna say no one's calling them out no one's dragging <laughs> them into it they've got a free pass i think yeah i can't imagine eric ten Hag walked into carrington and you get someone like i don't know like scott mctominay saying right what are you singing gaffer you know <laughs> As much as I'd like to see it, I don't think it happens that often. <laughs> what was your song of choice? I did Ruby, uh, Kaiser Chiefs. Banger. So I almost went I almost went a bit safe because I knew I can't sing. So I was like, <laughs> right, I can do something that people can join in on. And it's like, because you only get about 20 or 30 seconds. Oh, okay. Um, so I was like, something quick to the punchline, everyone could join in. Yeah. <laughs> get it over and done with and then never have to do it again. <laughs> Unless you move, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> Motivation just to stay at Scunthorpe for the rest of your career. <laughs> Yeah, I saw, um, how was it? I think it was Georgia Stanway I saw it did recently. She just moved to Bayern, decided to crack out the Sweet Caroline. <laughs> just, I thought that was a bit, of a, a bit of a risky decision when you're moving to Germany, but you got to love it. <laughs> yeah, but are you going to go for a classic German banger? Yeah, true. Like Germany's a lot of techno. Yeah. Right? You're just going <laughs> to fist pump up the front. Yeah. You know? Anything can't be as bad as Zinchenko's initiations. That was terrible. I don't know if you saw it, but it was awful. I don't know if I have. What was it? It's horrendous. So he did the um, It's Friday Then song. Oh. And it, it, it just didn't hit at all. It was like, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> That's horrible. I was listening to a podcast with Danny Simpson the other day, actually. And he was talking about the initiations young players would have to go through when they were moving up into the seniors. And he was saying that you had a choice. You could sing, you could answer questions, and you had to answer them all honestly. So they'd, they'd ask stuff like, who do you think the worst player in the squad is? Which is a young player coming through awful thing to decide because that person's then going to hate you and you're going to get absolutely battered in training um the other thing is just weird movements 
So you can just stand up the front and just do odd like body shapes to try and make people laugh. And he was saying it's the most cringe thing going because they just sit there and all the senior players, like the likes of Skulls and Giggs and Neville, just sit there straight face and just stare them down. Awful. I think you have to go song, don't you? Yeah, it just makes sense too as well because if you don't do a song, then you're almost there to kind of impress them anyway. So you kind of want to like be part of it and it's almost like a social kind of thing afterwards as well. So it's really weird. I think you just gotta literally just let the wall down, break through. Even if you can't sing, just sing and play. People will find it funny, and it's fine. At least you did it. <laughs> to be fair, like you're not gonna be in that boat alone, are you? I don't imagine there are many players or staff members who have an absolutely cracking set of lungs on them. So you know, if you get up there and you commit to it, and you're not very good, <laughs> who cares? You know, you'd be surprised how many of them can sing, though. It's oh, really? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's not not too bad. Yeah, I remember a video of um, was it Chunks and Philly um, interviewing Tammy Abraham? Like, this is somebody you'd never expected whack out of you, and then he just I saw this. His voice and Chunks is just like absolutely baffled by it. Yeah, like you say that. I think there's quite a few people in football that will surprise you with the lungs that they've got on them. Because I think Chunks has a bit of a, a bit of a voice on him as well, doesn't he? Yeah. I think he's got a couple of songs, to be fair. I've not really listened to much of it, but <laughs> no. yeah. What would you be going for, Blake? You have rocked up to, I don't know what Spurs training ground is called, but you've rocked up there. They've given you a contract, but they said you got to absolutely nail an initiation song. Ooh, I don't know. Maybe something like Dancing in the Moonlight. It's, it's one of my favourites. Yeah, I think I could get people involved in that one as well, like Baz was saying, and get some get some like people on my side. They're clapping and clicking. People always go safe. It's always pop, isn't it? Has to be, unless you're like top dog at singing. <laughs> you have to do something where it's like it's a it has to be known, and then that's it. Um, I think that there's a few videos as well of like some staff member Aston Villa. But he was like unreal at singing opera. He's the weirdest thing ever, and it's just you just don't expect it. And then, but the problem is, if you go after, you just don't want to go after someone who's good. Makes you look even worse. <laughs> so, say there's two or three of you that have to do them because usually they do it on the first. It's usually your first away trip that you do it. So usually, if there's if there's a bunch of you, you're like right, we're in this together. It's fine. But if there's like only like two of you or three of you, and one's really good, yeah, have fun following that up afterwards. <laughs> I used to find the same with shooting drills and training. End up following a striker who's just banged it top ends, and then I go and scream it at the old football club that I was at. Um, obviously, you guys know it as Saints, St Martins. There was like big netting behind the training goals that go over into fields where there are a load of horses. The number of times that I cracked the ball into there is really quite disappointing i have seen you play football and that doesn't really surprise me there's been some (laughs) like savage shots from you in the past there have yeah dominating holding midfielder by the way nine out of tens every game just just laying that out there uh so baz obviously we've talked about the initiation and a little bit about what it's like working in football and it's not really regular hours and if you're getting into football you're doing it because you absolutely love the sport is it everything it's cracked up to be working within the world of football? It depends what you want to get out of it, I think. Obviously, for me, I've always wanted to be involved in football. So a goal for mine was to always be in, in the professional game. Um, unsure if I was ever going to actually make it in there. It, it all depends on, on your viewpoint, really. I know there's some people who go into the industry and they don't enjoy it because they realise how demanding it is um, or how much time you maybe don't you get away from your families or how much you like eat into your social life. There are different roles which are a little bit more lenient as well. So if you're um, 
if you're a first team analyst, obviously with the schedules, you're you're busy a lot of the time, and it also depends on the the clubs that you're at as well. Usually, if you're at a higher club, you have uh, more staff, so you kind of share that workload a little bit more. But if you're at a club which is lower down the pyramid, a lot of the time it's almost like a one man band. I guess that obviously you're working a lot of the time, and you get a lot of social from being in a club itself, obviously, because you're around people who are probably fairly like-minded a lot of the time. But do you find it difficult to kind of, especially because you've just moved to like a new area, do you find it difficult to lock down like a social life because of the hours of football? Or does it make it easier because, you know, the people you're working with are in a similar boat? I think it's I think it's different for somebody who, say, say like, like me, who had to move overseas as such. Because you kind of you're moving to an area you don't really know anything about, and your life really is then just a football club, and you kind of have to go out of your way to then meet people in the area, like people will know you from the club and stuff like that. But it all depends on the relationships you build and who you're spending time with outside of football, I guess. But there's not many. It's hard to say because like you'll go for a few drinks with staff members and this and that. Some people are really close, some aren't. So you kind of thrown it in the deep end, really. And as much as it is it's similar to moving to a new city for anybody, um, if you're going off on your own, you have to then put yourself out there a little bit and try and be a little bit more social then to make friends or acquaintances that way as well. You talk about moving about. Obviously, if you were to brandish your arm, we'd see a fairly prominent Leeds tattoo. If they came calling and you could get a job being an analyst for Leeds, would you want to do it or would it be a little bit too close to home working for the club you've supported since you were a kid? Yes, yeah, I've spoken to a lot of people about this who, who work at their clubs that they've supported. For me, like recently, if I, if I thought about it in the last couple of months or so, if there was a job at Leeds and it was in the academy, I don't think I'd want to then take it because I'd want to stay in the first team environment. I think that was a big thing for me, especially after I got that that first uh, first team internship at uh, Kidderminster. Once I was in that, I was like, right, first team is where I want to be at. This is what I want to do, obviously. It has more of a... As much as, like, f- for me, I like having a results basis, but a lot of people do like just developing players as well, so they kind of do, like, the academy side, but I'm definitely more in the first team. Yeah, because, Blake, it feels a long time ago now that we went to see Baz, actually, when he was working at Kidderminster, Feels a long, long time ago. And actually, you managed to sort us out, I think, for... Was it Wolves versus Arsenal under-21s? I think we saw Hector Bellerin. Pretty sure Florian Balogun was playing as well. Kieran Tierney, I believe, was playing as well. He was, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was, a f- like you say, a few of the few of the like senior players trying to get a few minutes with the under 23s but yeah that was it was a good experience like how did you find working at Kidderminster was that like something that's really like pushed you into wanting to stay in that first team environment like you mentioned yeah definitely I think that was because that was also my first first team role so it's kind of thrown in at the deep end and obviously the year that we had there was um when it wasn't successful and then covid here at the end of the season so we ended up playing about 32 games out of the uh proposed 46 but that was that was a struggle as well but also having to do that job and then do a master's degree at the same time is it's something else i don't think i'd ever want to go through that again (laughs) yeah it sounds like a lot of work i think i was quite surprised when you first told me about that is that something they do like very regularly like do you normally get first team roles is it more normally in an academy thing you just kind of got lucky and chucked into that environment usually 
is in partnership with the University of Worcester, who are really good for for their uh, performance analysis master's degrees. I'd say they're probably one of the best in the in the country for it. But they have links with so many different clubs. And I know Kidderminster do a year-on-year thing where they just bring in a new analyst every year from the university as part of their uh, as part of their partnership. So you kind of do get a lot of varied roles. I think before before I went for that Kidderminster job, I had interviews in the academy at Birmingham and Wolves. So obviously my my route could have also been very different to what it is. But I think if you're an analyst or an aspiring analyst, that first team experience is is second to none and there's nothing that can really replace that even if you have like a big name big name club on your cv that first team where you have to do everything yourself and you have to problem solve and things go wrong and you have to kind of work your way around that that's invaluable in my opinion because Scunthorpe really especially for the level you're at is a pretty big club I mean I think last season was the first time they've been relegated out of the top four divisions in England for 72 years or something like that. So the step up from Kidderminster to Scunthorpe must have been quite something. Yeah, this is it's one of those things where it's like you have the reputation of of Scunthorpe and I think everyone remembers the days when they were in the championship and and in League 1 and then you had strikers where they had like Billy Sharp um Andy Keogh I still remember when Jermaine Beckford went there on loan before he then broke into the Leeds first team afterwards. But it's one of those things where it's like it happens to a lot of clubs as well. You see the the example with Oldham as well. But even before that, you have teams like Southend, Yeovil, Notts uh, County, Rec- and obviously Wrexham are trying to get back in back into the league, but obviously it failed for many years. But now it makes the national league almost like a like a league free, which is and it, I, I wish people would maybe look at the national league a little bit more because it is it is a crazy league. Yeah, and also. It's a league that is getting, I think it's fair to say, a bit more attention now. I mean, was it your first game of the season or second game of the season was live on BT Sport, which must have been fairly nuts. I can't imagine that you'd had a game while you're at Kidderminster live on TV like that. No, we were never live on TV. Um, Obviously, if I was there the season that they played West Ham in the Cup, then they would have been. But it's a bit crazy, you know, when like it's the day before a game, especially a season opener. And I'm at the club at the stadium and then you see all these vans just come down ready with the TV stuff. It's a little bit surreal. And then obviously we had a really good uh, a really good support for that game. So it was almost like our oh, football's back. But it also didn't it didn't really feel like football was back at the same time. I was like, this is like a pipeline dream or something. It was it, <laughs> it was weird to explain really. Because you had the cameras there and you obviously knew a lot of people would be watching on TV, did it make you more conscious about what you were doing, especially with your hands and whatnot, make sure you weren't doing a, a Joachim low and just scratching the balls and, <laughs> um, and whatnot, picking the nose, is it? It's a weird one because if, if you're an analyst and you're on the gantry, the only person on the gantry with you is just the person with the big TV camera. So they don't even they don't do their commentary in the stadium. I think they do it from a studio. Oh, really? Yeah, so you're almost... Even if you're making loads of noise on the gantry, it's not going to get picked up other than if they have microphones that are on there, which there may be one or two. So you're a little bit conscious of that. And obviously walking around the stadium, walking places where you don't want to walk or walking in the way of cameras and this and that. So it's always a chance where you turn around the corner and there's a camera in your face or something like that. With the commentators not being at the ground itself, is that just something that happens in lower league games, I assume? I would assume so. I'm not too sure. I'd have to... I've always wanted to ask the question because obviously with like Sky Sports and stuff, I, I believe they're, they're in a stadium. 
it might just be because how the National League is and the access to gantries and stuff like that, and some stadiums don't have have proper access. But I'm not sure on that one. Because obviously you see, like in, in stadiums, obviously, you see the cameras sometimes pan to like the likes of Gary Neville or Jamie Redknapp or Carrick or whatever, sitting there with the big muffs on and, and commentating. But I was just curious as to whether that happens at every single level or not. But I guess we'll have to go on not knowing what uh, what happens there. So what was it like going into Scunthorpe, knowing the club had just been relegated and knowing this was, yes, you'd had jobs in football before, you'd worked for FIFA, of course, as well. But this was kind of a step up from anything you'd done before, I think it was fair to say. Did you feel a lot of pressure? Not really, no. I think I've always backed myself as an analyst and I think it made it, made it a little bit easier as well because during my interview process, I ended up going on a work trial for a week before actually being offered the job. So um, I went to the game against Mansfield when they were in League Two. So I worked that, so I did the pre-match there. And then obviously the analyst came back for the game. But everything went smoothly, really. I didn't ever feel like... Obviously, it's a bit daunting when you walk into a club like for the first time. But, you know, I've done it before. And you kind of just have to back yourself a little bit, throw yourself in the deep end. I guess that's how you gain respect is through through confidence, I guess. And if you're asserting what you say confidently, then, you know, people are going to listen. I don't know about you, Blake, but I think, well, I say this, I think we all like to think that we know more about football than our mates, don't we? And I think we all like to sit there and watch a game on TV and think that we can pick it apart and pick out various aspects of the game that are happening. And then you watch a game with a professional footballer or somebody who's watched it at, the, at a decent level and they tell you things about the game that are happening that you wouldn't even consider. Do you find yourself in that sort of place now when you're watching football with your mates that the things they're saying are really basic and actually there's a lot more going on than the likes of Blake and I would understand? I think for me, I find it difficult to just sit there and have a beer and watch a football game without having to like say something or like have an input. You're almost kind of like holding your tongue a little bit. It's like, just let me enjoy my pint and I'll just like watch the game and have a chat with the lads. Because <laughs> um, I know it can be overbearing sometimes as well. <laughs> so... Do you find it frustrating though? Because obviously Blake and I could sit there and say something that we think's really articulate and really relevant. And for you, it might be something that's just a little bit naive or dumb it happens i usually i usually just stay quiet and let everyone enjoy what they're watching and have their own food i think if you're if you're watching football it's like i'm the same if i watch um watch a leeds game all like logic goes out of the window as well i'm just trying to like oh yeah three points let's go yeah i've definitely witnessed that with baz sometimes like you say where he's just (laughs) he's got his leeds heads on and uh just completely uh forgets about what's actually going on in the game but like like you were saying about having the week trial is that kind of like a normal thing for this level what's like the standard interview process for kind of getting a job within this area so that that was the first time i've ever gone in on a work trial usually what the application process is a job goes on advertised online you apply you usually wait a couple of weeks to see if you're shortlisted for uh for interview and then from there what happens is they usually set you a task to complete and then send back to them. And then some clubs want you to then present that task back to them. And then some will also just then do another shortlist from that task to then interview you, then to do your uh, your presentation. So I previously, I had a few interviews before the, the Scunthorpe job where you did the you did the task, then you did the interview, 
And then you also did an interview with coaches as well, I did at some point. So you almost have like a two or three, maybe sometimes four step kind of process to even to even get offered a job so who do you normally like see during that interview process i know i think you remember saying at scunthorpe that you had a chat with quite a few different people but who do you normally see when you're doing these interviews so always um the head of analysis or a first team analyst it kind of depends what role you're going for so if it's say if it's a first team job we'll just say a head of analysis is there and an assistant first team analyst is also there and then in first teams, it's quite normal for a manager to sit in on the final interviews. So the manager will also sit in, ask questions. That's usually when you're down to like the last few candidates. And then sometimes sometimes you get like a head of recruitment in there. I think for one of my jobs, I remember that I was doing an interview and there was about eight people in the room, including the director of football. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds pretty daunting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and getting to that point, I mentioned earlier that getting a job in football just doesn't feel very realistic. I mean, obviously, like we said, it's a little bit different coming from an island, but it doesn't feel very realistic. What would you say to somebody who wanted to get a job in football, maybe particularly in a, in analytics, but they didn't really know how to go about it? Because it's not exactly something that in schools is pushed. No, I think you have to do your own research. I think there's a lot of people out there at the moment who are providing really good support for people. There's also analysting clubs, which will help people out as much as they can. But having that almost the the way to go through into analysis now, it seems to be the normal way is to go through university, then do your master's degree, whilst also doing your, your volunteer work, trying to build up your CV. So then when you finish university, you can say, I've worked here, here and here. This is what I can do. Give me a job, basically. Or try to get far in the uh, application process as possible. This is a really basic cliche question. But I think it's a good question. Ten years down the line, where do you see yourself within football? I do. It's a tough one because it's so hard to say where you're gonna, where you want to be in football. Because you know, so many doors open and close at the same time. For me, because because previously I would have said like, oh, head of analysis or something. But I'm kind of doing that now at, at Scunthorpe. So that's kind of been fast forwarded a little bit. Always for me, my ambition was to be in the football league. Always. Ten years time, I would probably hope to my ambition would be to be in the top the top two divisions so that's where you see yourself in the future but um what exactly is it involved in your day-to-day role that you do within Scunthorpe but yeah so if we rewind back to day one and um, when I joined the club because obviously it wasn't too long ago now it's back in May so during that obviously everyone season's just finished everyone's on their holidays as such and then you still have that contact with with the manager as such so for me, my role's kind of hit every single thing that I can do. So we started off with like the recruitment at the start. So um, the manager has his playing style, his philosophy, and an idea of the players that he wants to bring into the club. From that, my job was to then identify those players in a pool of players from a number of different leagues. So you're talking about leagues like some League One, League Two, the National League, National League North and South, and then also like the Scottish leagues as well. So we have access to that data where we can then manually try and identify targets that way by using a, uh, well, we use like a scoring system, um, but that took a lot, of, a lot of algorithms and maths. So, <laughs> so that was a, uh, that was a long, a long few weeks trying to set that up and get that ready. Um, and then on, on the top of that, you're also doing like the video scouting of players as well at a request, basically. And then fast forward that again, 
I then had to create a new analysis provision. So that's basically saying, what does our pre-match look like? What does our live analysis look like? And what does our post-match analysis look like? So when the players are back in the building, they get all the support they need. And we can literally just go through a seamless transition um, into the new season. And obviously, everything's the same going forward. And then for an away day then, what would what would that day look like for you? So an away away day, away match day is a little bit different. Say we're doing a we'll say we're doing a long trip. So we've travelled the day before. Everything would be done before that. The pre match would be ready to go. Usually, what happens is when you're at a hotel, it's you go into a meeting room and you do your your pre match analysis there, which is usually like looking at what the opposition does, what can we do to win the game basically, and then that also goes off based on like video clips. And then also like the telestration, like you almost see on like Monday night football as such, saying where their weak areas are and where we can where we can gain an advantage. And then if we talk about on the game day, the big rush for me is when uh, when the team sheets come in. That's, that's a very stressful part. So the team sheet comes in, and it's literally trying to find out the shape that the team are playing, who's playing where, um, have they changed anything? Are they doing anything out of the ordinary? Get the team down on a uh, on the flip chart for the players. And then also with that, obviously saying what, what their stronger foot is and also who's going in for that set pieces. So we're doing all this work beforehand to then be ready for, for that moment as such. Does that ever lead to major changes in your own shape? Because I'd never really considered that, to be honest. I considered that you'd go in, you'd prep for a game, you wouldn't really know much about how the opposition were going to line up until you actually got out on the pitch. But that doesn't seem like the case. So is it ever a case of you finding out what the opposition's team is thinking they're going to go for a different shape from what you thought and having to adapt yourselves? Sometimes, I think um, it, it all depends really because it depends how you see the game. I know that there are managers out there who will change their shape based on opposition, but usually with that, because there's so much prep work that goes into it, you're not really surprised by anything they do unless it's early season like now. You get an idea, but you never, never really, really know until you kind of step out on the pitch and they're lining up for the kickoff. Well... Baz, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the 1 to 11. And I'm hoping, if you're willing, that you're going to be happy to join us again throughout the season. And we'll keep up with yours and, and Scunthorpe's progress. I'm sure that you're going to have lots of interesting stories for us as the weeks go on. But yeah, thanks very much for joining us. It's, it's been a pleasure. Perfect. Thank you, guys. It's been great.